Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lambkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lambkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com What's up, people? Today for a Memorial Day episode, we have Sarge G on. He's got a podcast, and we're going to be talking about uh, the military and cannabis legalization news. Of course, it's the industry that everybody who likes to get into has to be over 21, mostly because that's what the regulations say. So let's get into it. Welcome, everybody. Niggy. Sarge G. Oh, let's cough into the mic to start. That's good. What up, Sergeant? What's going on, guys? How you guys doing today? I'm super excited to be here with the more compassionate healers like myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Sarge G. And for example, are you a sergeant? Absolutely. So I spent nine years in the Marine Corps. I spent nine glorious years in the Marine Corps. I started... I joined the Marine Corps at 17 years old, man. And wow. Let me tell you what it was a it was a it was a journey, right? I tell people the Marine Corps is my mama and my daddy. A lot of people don't understand that, but I said join at 17 years old, you're still a kid, right? When you join, you're not even considered an adult yet. Yeah. And so the wonderful joys of being in the Marine Corps for nine years, I got to deploy twice to the freaking sandbox, dude. Nice. A lot of people, a lot of people that joined, they joined because of the war, right? And for yeah. myself. I joined before the war even happened. I was, I mean, wow. I was like, goodness. I joined it because I was like, like everybody else. I tried to tell my son here. My son, my son's graduating high school this week, mm. and uh, I told him he wants to join the military. I said, why, dude? I said, ninety percent of the people who join military is because they wanted a way out, right? They yeah. wanted to get away from where they were at, right? And then you got the ten percent. Well, I did it because my dad was was in the military, my grandpa was in the military, and so forth, right? But I said ninety yeah. percent of people who join the military, they're, they're trying to get out of the situation that they're in, and so I had the joys of doing it, man. During my nine year, during my nine years of serving this country, I, I I picked up the rank of sergeant. I was I was blessed enough to pick up the rank of sergeant. That's E five, right? That's an E five. It's an E five in the Marine Corps, and so I was able to do that, and I was blessed. Like I, my, like any young guy that joins, I'm gonna I'm gonna retire, right? I'm gonna retire, yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's what I was my goal. And then after my second deployment and my second son, I was like, I ain't doing this anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. You know. That's what happened and to so, me, dude? Yeah, you guys are both veterans, and so thank you yeah. for your service here on this Memorial Day, kicking no, off to. summer. But uh, Maggie, how long were you in the service? I was in for ten years. <clears throat> the ah. kind of same thing where I came home from my last cruise and my my. Uh, 
my uh, middle child didn't recognize me from like 20 feet away. So I was like, ah, it's time to uh, find another job. <laughs> and so, but you joined at 17. Like, holy shit, I joined at 23. Like, I, I, I did a lot of messed up stuff first. And then I was like, I need a job. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like, like, I mean, a lot of people, I had a brother. He didn't join until he was like 20. I had, I had one Marine that I picked up from MOS school, and he had joined. He was 28 when I picked him up. I was like, damn. Dude. Oh, my like, God. He, was already, he already lived life. You know, he yeah. had lived a good portion of his life to be like, I'm going to join the military now. I'm like. Well, he, just, like, he just said it just didn't work out in his cards for him. So I was like, all right, yeah. I mean, of course. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, well, you, you get people of all uh, varieties, you know, as Americans joining the military, which is co- really cool. Uh, where did you go to boot camp at? Are you a Hollywood Marine? I was a Hollywood Marine. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them, I tell people, they're like, are you Hollywood? I said, I'd rather deal with the mountains than the sand fleas. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Wait a second. There's mountains in Hollywood? Uh, it's, uh, up in speaks Camp for some guys that's never been from to Hollywood. Yeah. Well, what they what they call the Hollywood Marines are the, so there's two boot camps, one in uh, Camp Lejeune and then the other ones in uh, California and uh, uh, San Diego. My, yeah, my grandfather was a Marine. I'm from Oceanside, like that's where I grew up. Uh, <laughs> he retired as a captain, uh, went on from a, a private to a captain, which was pretty for that's Hispanic pretty good, too. Good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but hey, man, so what are you doing? Well, you're in Oklahoma, right? I'm in Oklahoma now, yeah. So if you guys know, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited to be here with you guys. I mean, like I tell people, a lot of people are like, well, when I first started my show, I started my show two years ago. And my, the reason I started my show is because after you get out of service, after serving your country for so long, I tell people, I don't care if you serve four years or 40 years, somebody's telling you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and what to wear for the day, right? Every yeah. day. Man. And when you, get out, when you get out of service, it's like, what am I supposed to be doing? I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know, right? Yeah. And so two years ago when I started my podcast, my purpose was to bring on entrepreneurs, mm. veterans who started their own small business and figure out how did you find your purpose servant? You know, how'd you find your purpose after getting out of service? Yeah. And so for two years, I was able to bring on veterans who started their own small business to help enlighten other veterans that are trying to figure out what is it that I can do? Is there something that I can do? There's something I can get into hmm. and, and, and making those connections with people like, Hey, reach out to them. So like in all my episodes, I keep a product description on how you can reach the individuals. I'm yeah. like, Hey, I want to get into this. How, what, what did you do to get into this? You know, and Jeez. just to be able to help each other out. You're networking. That's awesome, dude. Absolutely. Nice. Well, um, you know, uh, what do you think is going to happen, though? I'm like, yes, you're a veteran. You're a federal employee, right? And How so, much this, you, this is and, one of my biggest things, man. Yeah. For you guys, like, I was super excited. Like, so, so I was going through Spotify, and I was like, I got to figure out. Like, this year, my focus on my on my podcast on the Stone Vet USMC is that I'm fighting for federal legalization. That's my biggest fight right now. That's the biggest triumph, right? And a lot of people, I was like. I'm, I'm to the point right now is like I'm, I'm bringing veterans on who have been using cannabis to get off of the opioids, to get off of alcohol and to try to live a, a so-called normal life, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I talk, I bring on, I bring on, I was like, I'm bringing on veterans, but I'm also bringing on other, other influences, other people in the industry that are talking about breaking the stigma on a plant medicine and helping with the fight of federal legalization. I said, it's not just a veteran thing. Yeah, it's it's a nationwide thing, right? I said Delaware just legalized it, so now we're at 38 states with legalization for either medicinal or adult use, whatever the case might be. You know, so out of 50 states, there's 38 states now that have legalization in it. Well, you know, with, with the veteran angle, I think when you talk about serving your country, and I think coming out 
I mean, you find out this horrible law and how bad it really is not good. It's not, it's done more ills than, than right. help people. And, and it's almost like a duty that you still have to like <clears throat> try and change minds and get this damn thing over with. Cause over with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, absolutely. And that's what I'm fighting for right now. I'm actually trying to create with my podcast. I'm trying to make more influencers, more advocates in, mm. in, in different States. Right. Like I was I, like on my Thursday episodes, I usually try to go through each state that has a legalization, regardless of its adult use or medicinal use to, to help, enlighten people that aren't familiar with the state laws for cannabis yeah. you know and like like iowa has horrible cannabis laws if yeah, you to iowa, <laughs> yeah. I was like, so does indiana indiana yeah. <laughs> indiana, a, indiana iowa and idaho it's like what is up mm. with like if your state what starts with i why do you hate <laughs> weed you know uh, but just kind of seems that way and let's let's go to a map and see if there's any other states that start with i that don't hate weed Right. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that I try to tell my veterans, though. That's what I try to tell my veterans. That's like right now. Right. It's election year. Right. Yeah. Senator, there's a lot of senators out there. Right. And so like in Oklahoma, one of the biggest things we were trying to pass that apparently got turned down by veteran senators, senators mm. that, are, that have served our country. We're trying to pass a psilocybin bill for research, just medicinal research, no sales, no nothing. It was just for medicinal research to help figure out it was targeted towards the veteran community in Oklahoma, because right now everybody understands there's 22 veterans that take their life every day nationwide. Everybody knows that yeah. everybody across the country knows 22 veterans take their life every day. But in Oklahoma, we're averaging 27 veterans a day taking their own life, man, suicide. And that's not talking about the 35 that die from opioid addiction every day on top of the 27 that we're losing in Oklahoma. And so me and two of my brothers, two of my brothers, they, we went up to the Capitol and we had a lobbyist that said, I need you as the veteran to come up here and talk to these senators. And so we said, OK, we'll do it. Right. We'll do it. That's it's part of it's part of advocating. Right. I, I talk about it and I'm a. I go to be about it. It's not, it's nice. one thing to talk about it and not be about it. You know, everybody can talk about it, but until you're actually doing it yourself, you don't understand it. Right. Yeah. And so I took the initiative with two of my brothers that I've had on my show, uh, Mr. Trey Gee from Bloom Cannabis and Mr. Jose Cinco. And we went to the Capitol and we sat down with these senators that had their hand in the pot for the psilocybin research bill. Mm -hmm. So apparently it, it, it had gotten passed, and in the last minute, three senators voted against it, and they killed the bill. Damn! And I was like, "Are you?" And the sad part is, is, we went and sat down with these senators and spoke with them, and they're like, "We will vote for it. We'll vote for it. We'll vote for it. We'll vote for you it." Say what you want to hear, because yeah. we'll also tell you that we won't vote for it if exactly. that's what you want to hear. Yeah. You know, and. The sad part was one of them was a chief in the Navy that he like, why well, have my guys, my, my, my guys I was with, they would cried and told them how it's, how it's been saving their life. Yeah. And no, it's, yeah, it's medicine. I'm it's sorry, medicine. Right. And, and he said, I, he said, I agree with you guys. I'm going to vote yes for this. But when it came down to it, he voted no against it. And I was like, yeah, you have got to be fucking kidding me, dude. Like, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, we've had dude. politicians on the show before and it may not have even they may have wanted to vote for it. They may still one day vote for it. It it may have just been they might not have liked whomever was saying something. And so they just like they didn't vote for it because of some other reason. Yeah. Right. Rather yeah, than yeah. voting on the issue that you're there, you're going to vote against it to make a point to somebody else you don't like. Exactly. Which again, I don't understand the politician mindset. Like, no, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But That's uh, you're not married. I'm not married. Uh, interesting. Is that one of the reasons why you know Donald Trump was pre president because he had three wives and uh, exactly. just really hey, practiced on being married? For that 
dead dumbass. I mean, like, you have to give some credit to, like, like you know, what? what is it? Even a broken clock is right twice or whatever. So no, it's like... that's one of the things I tell people. <laughs> people ask me, they're like, how do you feel about Donald Trump being president? I said, all that means to me is that if you have enough money and you have enough friends with enough money, you can be whatever you want to be in this country. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what right. it comes down to. Seriously, though. <laughs> you know, seriously. But that's how the rules are written. So, like, in Oklahoma, you know, one of the things I think as activists or advocates or whatever you want to label it, when you're trying to change the law, and like you said, you have to go try it to see how hard it is. And, like, here in Washington State, 502, our recreational bill, was a lot of money that was put in from out of state. Right. Whereas before that was like three bills that were grassroots that just never, never caught fire, but always right. had attention. And, you know, that's it's money involved. Like I, I, I asked, I was like, how did, because anybody remember like in Washington state, how did the medical come about? Right. So to get the, the, the initial rules, somebody knew how to play the game, right. you know, and, and then that, that's the game you're trying to learn right now. And if, it'd be nice if that person who started that first rule, you know, would help you out, right? Like, right. you know, who do I have to stroke on his this just to get this bill or whatever be seen? Well, do you have uh, a million dollars? Yeah, well, and that's I'm the sorry. thing. Yeah. Like, well, here in Washington State, home grow is not a thing. And it, and the bill that we tried to get through is stuck in committee. Mm-hmm. And it's been stuck in committee, what, three years now, two years. And uh, does anybody on that committee like to grow weed at home do, do we have any medical can because like you guys in in washington state is similar to illinois like uh, the average person that's an adult can't grow cannabis in their own house however if that person has a medical card they can grow five plants so like in washington state uh, can't somebody with a medical card grow plants though yeah yeah no it's just my frustration i think is sometimes with the politicians like yeah money will move the bill but also Homegrow, who does it? There's no one that's going to benefit from it besides the consumer, right? There's no, uh, even though, like, I think grows would benefit because they have clones and seeds to sell that would should be more product, more skew codes or whatever. Uh, I don't think they see it that way. There's this like fear mongering that if they legalize homegrow, all of a sudden you're going to have fields of weed, which why is that even a bad thing, right? <laughs> Right. I mean, during yeah. during World War Two, it shows you how how important hemp was for our country during World War Two. I mean, seriously, like, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm actually talking with the with the with the with the brother of mine. He's out of Pennsylvania, and he's actually going to court right now because he got caught growing cannabis in his house. I was like, you're going to court for growing a fucking plant? That's like growing a rose. Was he growing fifty of them or like one? Maybe like four. I mean, oh, yeah, it's personal. I mean, like that's the thing. Use, personal right? use. Yeah. I was like, so what's the difference between growing cannabis and growing roses? What's the difference? Uh, you don't grind roses up and smoke them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what I'm just sh- saying, though, similar to plants, that's the biggest stigma. That yeah. That's that's one of the biggest stigmas I'm trying to break. I'm like, well, what do we do about plant. this algorithm that's out there? The biggest thing that's keeping cannabis illegal has nothing to do with the politician. He'll just lie and say whatever he wants. Or she. Right. Uh, uh, instead, it has everything to do with an algorithm that's out there. Mm-hmm. And Elon Musk says that if he buys Twitter, he wants to put the code on GitHub, which basically means here's the code. So we could go through it and be like, there it is. Yeah. There's the algorithm that's systematically suppressing cannabis right. uh, on social media. Absolutely. And I'll guarantee you that if Twitter has it, Facebook has it, everybody YouTube has, has it, you know, uh, Amazon has it. But that, and, the algorithm you're talking about, there's a lot of machine learning too, right? I mean, that's kind of the reason why 
it's important for us to talk about it all the time and keep it up. You know, I, I, people get feel like they're getting beat over the head with a dead horse sometimes when you talk about like social disparity in prohibition or I mean, that's kind of how America was created, right? We have to acknowledge all this messed up stuff so we can get beyond it and go for, forward. But yet we, we, we just there's a lot of issues addressed when it comes to prohibition, you know, and, and people just don't want to hear it. And the, the machine learning, I think, is part of that, like suppression of like it's just safer because. It's so benign. It's not a, you know, you 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 smoke so much cannabis, dudes. I watched the last night. I was up drinking, playing video games, and then I, I shut down about one o'clock in the morning. And there was this most horrible Doctor Phil episode where this guy was addicted to marijuana. Like I never saw it. It was a legit like one o'clock in the morning. Like, am I really watching this as I'm smoking a bowl and drinking a beer? And this guy was like all like this and like shaking, and and, and he was saying that in. One of the things that really bothered me, though, is because Dr. Phil, of course, first they make puns and joke about it like weed. We're going to talk to you. That's you the, know? That, what why. How come the people in the media? Is there like a rule in media that if you are reporting on cannabis, you must say a pun that is stupid? And so right. like, well, you might say the business is growing like a weed or yes, <laughs> gone to pot or look what's been up in smoke. The future of the regulations yeah. hazy, and you're just like, can you just do a headline? Or why does the headlines got to be jokes? You know, we're, we're legitimate people that are trying to be taken seriously. It, it really it's more offensive because people are in jail. Period. It's not really funny. These jokes, right? Are just not. Or our federal government is lying to people like Sergeant G, and yeah. jeopardizing their their safety. And then, like you know, you go to the VA's website regarding PTSD, and they actually mention that marijuana might help it. No lie, you know, you're not lying at all about that. You know, the sad part is, I was just reading an article ye- uh, yesterday. I was actually reading an article yesterday that they actually. So, so you guys are probably familiar with how the House is trying to pass a forty billion dollar bill to mm. go help the Ukrainian people, right? Mm-hmm. They say they passed this bill is going to put us at about 58 billion that we've put into Ukraine during this whole wow. Russia Ukraine thing, right? Yeah. And they said if this if they said if they can get this bill to pass, it's actually going to take services from the VA. They're actually going to take doctors and nurses and medicine away out of the VA, the funding that the VA needed in order to support to support the veteran community. Wow. And I'm just like I said people people think it's funny, but I mean there's shirts, there's cups, there's crap out there that says the VA giving the veteran another opportunity to die for his country. And Ugh. it's seriously the truth. And it's sad that that that's where we're at. And I'm just like, this sucks. Like, I mean, seriously, I said we already have trouble. We already have trouble getting medical services at the VA. Yeah. Like seriously, especially for like mental health doctors and stuff like that. We have significant trouble getting services, right? And it's like the VA was created for us to help us get the necessities we need for medical care, right? We already served our country. The least we can do is come to the VA and get the medical services that we need, right? You know know what's funny is the VA, because I don't think it's even, it's it's subsidized or whatever, but um, it's kind of like reparations, right? Where you, you you give your body and and, and 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 they promise you like everything's gonna be taken care of when you get out and then they make it hard and, and suck money and like you said sometimes I went when I first got out I uh, uh, went to uh, the VA in Tucson because I was living in Arizona at the time and uh, uh, I was gonna start claiming because it's nice once you get the process you get a percentage uh, get a monthly check and then it's like it helps you subsidize things but when I got to the VA, there was like all these young dudes missing like legs and, and wheelchairs and shit. And, and I'm just going in for bad back. 
And right. I, I just turned around and was like, I I can just deal with my own shit later. And 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 it's just like though but some of those guys, I've heard of stories of people missing limbs and getting denied disability. Like mm-hmm. it's it's you know, there's so many fucked up hurdles that they go through sometimes just to try and save a buck. You yeah. know, it, well, that's what my brother. So I just had I had, I had Brian Tally on my show not too long ago. He's a he goes by Tally man. He's a veteran at the VA. The VA. He went into the VA because he was having real bad back pain. He's like, I don't know what's going on, right? And they didn't do anything. They just gave him more painkillers, like they like the VA does. Here, here just take these painkillers, more painkillers. So he went to a doctor, an outside doctor, and they ran a they ran an MRI on his back and found out he had a staph infection in his spine. Oh my god! And they had told him that like any if you would have waited any longer this would have went into your blood and killed you like you should be almost dead the way the staph infection had looked right yeah so he went back to the va and he filed a, a medical malpractice claim right and you know this thing was going on for a year at a, for, for 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 almost for just over a year and three days after the one year mark because he was in california he said three days after that one year mark they said we're not going to take responsibilities for this because it was a contracted doctor. He wasn't working for the, he was working in the VA. He wasn't working for the VA. He was working in the VA. Yeah. And after he, he reached that statute of limitation, yeah. right? It's that the three day, you got a year and after, they gave it to him the, th- the third day after that. the one year statute of limitation. And he was like, this is BS. So he lost, he, he lost his business. He oh, had to sell, he was lucky enough he didn't lose his house. So he had to sell his house and he moved down to, I don't want to say Houston, Texas. Man, and, and everything. Yeah. Well, with he that wrote one, a bill. He wrote a bill and everything. He wrote a bill about veteran malpractice. Oh, 20 minutes. Take a break quick, hour, and we're which talking means about that, that. Uh, it's 420 somewhere. And uh, if you ever needed a reason to smoke from hearing a sad story, that was it. That makes no sense. I think what we need, and again, shout out to Collateral Base for sponsoring that, but what we need is we need the VA and Congress to switch the healthcare systems. So now Congress is going to be in the VA, and the VA gets Congress's system, and then that gets given to the rest of Americans, especially if they serve. Especially, and then and give Americans a reason to serve besides, like, it's it was trying to get away. Like in if this was uh, not uh, maybe Switzerland also has mandatory conscription. So does Russia. Bad example. But uh, (laughs) the the Scandinavian countries, they also tie this concept of service and education and public benefits together. And then, you know what it also does? It kind of provides unity to the country because you all had to serve for a particular time. And then right. you get health care, you get you know, help with education. We pay for it. We don't turn it into a travesty where what uh, Sergeant G, what what problem did this guy have that? Homes- oh, he he had. A, so. So what Brian did, he he got they they, they, they screwed him. Right. Because they, VA was like, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. But three days after the one year mark. So so 12 months and three days. They said we're not taking responsibility because the doctor was contracted and he wasn't he wasn't an actual VA employee. He was a contractor working for the VA. And he Brian said, I, I can't do this. Like how many veterans are dealing with this kind of stuff? Right. How many veterans are dealing with medical malpractice? Right. So he wrote a bill and he walked it through Congress. He went to D.C. and sat down with the senators in D.C., all those people, you know, Pelosi and Schumer and all those guys, right? When Trump was in office, and he said this bill has got to get passed. 
And so it got passed. Donald Trump signed the bill, said this is ridiculous and this shouldn't be happening to the veteran community in regards to medical malpractice. Okay. And so now when you go to the VA, the doctor has to tell you, I work for the VA. I'm not a contractor. Nice. And they have to disclose everything with you. And so they're holding, they got their feet to the fire now yeah. saying that this is this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And that in case in any event that something does happen and medical malpractice case does happen, the VA will be held liable now versus just pushing it off to the, 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 the statute of limitations. I would have never thought to ask. I'm like, are you a VA employee or not? I mean, like, right? That's, that's the thing. Because right? they all have the badges. They all have VA badges. I'm coming to the goddamn VA. I expect everybody to be a VA. Everybody, right? No, you didn't know that. I didn't know that. Amazon but, drivers well, don't that, work for Amazon. I tell people, yeah. like, you don't have to be smart to write a bill. Yeah. You just but have to know the process, the process of what it takes to write the bill. Yeah. Right. So how yeah. did he get his foot in the door, though, with, like, because, again, you have to know people to, like, meet Pelosi. No, meet so, Pelosi, so here's the thing. So when he was in California, he was going to be working with the senator in in his in his county or whatever. All right, on. But the senator got caught doing some money laundering stuff, and so he didn't have any face. So he literally did it by himself. He literally Damn. walked up there. He said, I, I am Brian Talley. I'm a United States Marine. I am presenting. He, I don't know how exactly he did it. He has a hell yeah. of a story. If you look him up, Brian Tally, Tally yeah. Man. If you hashtag Tally Man on Google, you can find him. He's on every news. Like you'll see him on local news and at different areas across the country. I think recently he was just in Tennessee telling his story because there's a marine, there's a veteran in Tennessee that is dealing with the same thing Damn. that he dealt with, and he went and told his story to the local news there in Tennessee. I and guess okay. that's what it is. That's activism. That's outreach. That's how you get the things changed. Absolutely. So, and yeah. uh, it's more effective at the local level if you're trying. Like, so a lot of the people with cannabis issues, uh, you're going to need zoning. So get yep. out there. And if you want to be an entrepreneur and start meeting the people that are in that location that you want to open up shop. Yeah, absolutely. And that's right. what I'm telling people. I, that's what I, that's what I tell people. Because a lot of people. So. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with David Bass. David Bass is part of the veteran. Yeah. He's out of he's out of Dallas, Texas. He's got a massive movement happening in Texas right now for cannabis legalization. Right. They they yeah. just legalized. They just legalized edibles. So you're able to get edibles. When it first came out, it was five milligrams. Now they got it up to 20 milligrams and he's fighting. He's fighting for for smokable flour now is what he's fighting for. But he's an activist. He is actually out there and he's making his face known at the Capitol. Who are you? Why are you here? And stuff like that. You know? Yeah. And I tell people, I say, you know how big Texas is, right? Texas is massive. It's hard to get to the Capitol, right? Yeah. So I ask him, I said, what's the best way? What can you tell people is the best way to make a difference? Right. And he said, start local wherever you live. Mm. Start with your local house representative where you live. Start with your mayor. Start with the, start with the center that's responsible in your area. And sit down and talk with them and let them know why why you believe this should be legalized. And he said that's the biggest way because they they got to take it to the Capitol because they're going to the Capitol on a regular basis. Mm. And if you keep a buzz in their ear on a reg on a weekly basis, you're talking with them, say, hey, what's going yeah. on? I want to see what's going on with this, you know. And like I tell the veterans that I that, like I tell my community that I speak with on my show is that if you live in a state and you don't like the law, the cannabis law, yeah, in your state, it's your job to change it. That's it. It's no, exactly. job to change it, right? Because what I found out doing this activism stuff is that representatives know it's messed up. Oh, how, are you, how are you going to fix it? Well, it's an American issue, right? Like, right. 
you know, you're, you're, you're this, I, I just looked it up, you know, and, and Brian Kelly, I, I guess, you know, almost dying is a great motivator, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, almost dying, like, that's enough energy to, like, go from state to state pissed off that you right? almost died. But, like, with cannabis activism, one of the things you'll see, and one of the things I, I, I tried to note a long time ago was, like, for me, it's been a passionate thing since I was 17. Like, like you know, I donated to High Times and all this other stupid shit, but, you know, Greenpeace back in the day when I thought things actually mattered, you know, but <laughs> the thing is, it's it, sometimes it becomes passe. Sometimes people get tired, give up. Sometimes right. people don't understand the system. You know, it's kind of like having a homegrown bill locked up in committee for two years. There's no, how do, how do I hack this code? How do I, how do I figure out how to motivate these people whereas who's on the committee like this is where we have an overlay on this which is silly and and somewhat appropriate though that's one of the nice things unless we've like deleted it because sometimes we do change out our overlays but uh you you need to go you need to go to here Nikki. yes that's what you you see you have a committee all right so you know whose minds you have to change right this is when you need charlie kelly with the persecution that comes in and, and connects all the dots and figures out what is motivating that person, and then right. figure Time out how to go. get it to them. So, like, yeah, if I if I figured out that committee, right? Like, me, Joe Schmo, like I've done a lot of things as far as like helping people with in the process. Like, we have, we have Freedom Grow Forever, uh, a bunch of badass ladies. They'll help like send letters to judges. Uh, Human Solutions, another group that um, jury know uh, they uh, uh, show up for court support. So there's like a whole visible thing. But again, this is all time and energy. Like sometimes yeah. you get burned out. Sometimes uh, uh, you're like, I've done a lot of things in the past and and I'd like to do more. But I'm also now older and, and, and don't have the same physical capabilities and, and energy I had, you know, mm-hmm. like, or, like or lack of responsibilities. Don't forget the lack of responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the thing about well, cannabis activism, though, that's kind of frustrating is because they'll go in waves. They'll be like, hey, everybody gives a fuck because people are in jail and losing kids and something messed up happened. Think about how yeah. powerful that, that, that everybody gives a fuck would be if there wasn't an algorithm systematically suppressing the, right. the message from getting out so that people could see when the Luke Scarmazzo, it was that, no, it wasn't Luke Scarmazzo. Maybe it was. Who was the one that we had on from Chicago? Uh, was the 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 Eifer that was pardoned by Trump? Oh no, that was a uh, uh, Weldon Cecil. Weldon Weldon. Angelo, but we had Weldon. Craig Cecil. Yeah, we had Weldon and Craig Cecil. Weldon. I know that uh, I was referring to uh, Cecil Craig. when I did that. Yeah. Was like when we did that show, it was flagged. So when we're showing oh, yeah. the outrage of a man whose life was taken from him, that was fucked up. Yeah, released after twenty years. That was flagged. That message can't get out. That's why the outrage isn't there. It's because not because it, 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 it's impossible for it to get out. It's quite possible for it to get out. Right. You just yeah. need to um, comment out some code. That's the frustrating thing for activism, right? Like when when Trump took office and then all the the pussy hats, t- t- you know, were everywhere. I was like, this is cool. This is like real activism. But then again, I wish you were all mad about weed, like right. prisoners in people losing <laughs> right. time. And wellness options and right. you know, things that can help us all individually right away. Like yeah. on a society level, I think it would, it, it's just, it feels like it's like we, when I talk about it sometimes I feel like, like one of those guys, like, like, like what Tom just showed, like, I feel like right, this is a hit. everything's going yeah. here. And then, and then next thing you know, 
I, I've just lost like 10 people because I'm more just too much. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of work. And I, I and I, that's what I, I get a lot of people that reach out to me, you know, they get, they get like anything else. I mean, like I said, I've been running my podcast for two years and I've been going two years straight. I think I'm like over 140 episodes in now. And there are days I'm just like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like I'm just tired. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get, I don't want to get behind the microphone. I don't want to, and it's like you said, it's a lot of work when you get up and you're like, what is it that I can do? How can I get out there? And then when you're working it, like you said, you got a bill that's been sitting there for three years. And it's like, why is it not moving? Why is it why is it not going? And a lot of times, like we have discussed earlier, it's it's a money issue. It's a money issue. Like right now with the federal legalization, it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Oh, why? Yeah. Because you have the corporate America dropping billions of dollars into the cannabis industry to get this thing legalized and like you said too though when when talking about like setting policy right it's up to the local people to take care of their local area that's the the time part and frustrating part because like when i've helped people going through the process going through a court trial or whatever the biggest thing that i tell people like i'll do what i can i i will write articles i will I will make memes. I will, I will, I will share your story. That's the important part. Right. And then other people share it so forth or so, so on. Um, but in the end, you are your own best advocate. You right. know, you know, your story, you know, you, you know, your state, you know, your area. Uh, uh, but the money part that there's that boundary where the money will make a difference. Like Tom said, if I were to find this committee and if I had the time and money to like hang out in front of their houses with like little signs, you know, I could make a difference, something like that. It might get their attention, but the fact that if once homegrown passes committee, again, it's one of those things that doesn't behoove anybody, but the right. consumer. You right. know, if if we could just get somebody on board that says, "Hey, you can make a lot of money if everybody can grow a home," you know, which right. if everybody's self sufficient, you can make money somehow. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, though. Yep. And if everybody could read, no one would be illiterate. Well, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. That, yeah. That's just the thing. That's 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 just the biggest thing, you know. what I'm saying because we all know, we all know that, that this legalization is going to happen. Hopefully, this year it happens. Right. That's one of the biggest things. I just oh. had a, I had JT with me, and uh, he's another Marine jarhead, and he was like, "Dude," he said, "This is one of the stories that we have to tell people." Like me, me being a federal employee, I was they were putting me in for a top secret clearance. Yeah. And one of the last on the last page of this top secret clearance asked, do you use an illegal substance? I said, what do you classify as illegal? They said, well, cannabis. I said, well, not in my state where I'm a resident. It's not illegal. I carry a, I'm a card carrier. Right. I'm a, I have my medical card. I am legal with, as a resident of Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, you're a federal employee and it's still federally illegal. I say, but that doesn't make any sense, you know? Right. And so this went on for like a year. We went back and forth. I was fighting with the, with the, the, the 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 CAF, which is the uh, adjudication facility, the consolidated adjudication facility for the entire United States of America. Damn, I was like, I think it's funny how me as a civilian employee self-identify and say, yes, I've used cannabis, and yet the vice president of the United States, who went on the Breakfast Club and said, yes, I smoke weed, was able to still get her top secret clearance. But God forbid, a lonely freaking employee that working for the federal government. On not in a hot such a high level of face, yeah, gets denied my clearance. What's I said it's right here, plain as day. She self-identified and said it. Did she self-identify in her clearance package when she <laughs> applied for it? They couldn't answer the question. 
I said, so if I would have just lied and said that I, I don't use anything, you would have gave it to me? They said, yeah. I said, well, now I know the system. And and again, system this is works. why I think that a lot of that violates your Fifth Amendment rights. And so right? it's like, wait, so you're telling me I have to self-incriminate so that I can get fired and all this other stuff. Isn't that how the first one got disqualified? Yes. Yes, it yeah, was. So exactly. if we go and we read a law case from uh, 1969, and it was uh, Leary versus United States. Leary won, United States nothing. The feds had zero cannabis law. Uh, for approximately 18 months until the Controlled Substances Act was done. Right. This was 1969, but it wouldn't matter because, like, who's enforcing the crimes? The states. Right. So why did you need a federal crime? You didn't because in all 50 states, it was still a crime. And right. those are the ones that would be really enforcing it unless there was some type of, you know, trafficking that's through interstate commerce from Humboldt, <laughs> California to, um, I don't know, where are you in Oklahoma? I'm mean, I'm 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 just south of Oklahoma City. All right, to to Oklahoma City. That would big shipment. That would be classic trafficking. That would be classic, you know, D Department of Justice mm -hmm. DEA kind of raid tactics. But yeah, it is frustrating as hell cuz now Oklahoma is home to some of the most per capita number of business licenses in the cannabis industry in the country and therefore in the, the country. world. And that's one of the biggest things people tell. I tell people, I say, so a lot of people know Oklahoma, but a lot of people don't understand the movement Oklahoma has in the cannabis industry, right? So in, in Oklahoma, as of right now, as of, I think it was like October of last year, we were sitting at 2,500 dispensaries, over 9,500 grows, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people are like, are you freaking kidding me? I was like, no, this is, I can go to any county in any freaking part of the state. And, and you can be vertical, right? What's for medical? I can yeah. own a dispensary and a grow is what right? I'm saying. Yeah. And anybody can do it. And this is an example of you got to go vertical and you got to go big. And, right. and by big, I mean number of licenses, not one license for a whole bunch of people, which ends in a lawsuit, which doesn't help anybody, which pushes the price of getting into the business way to the moon. And then right. states like Oklahoma and New Mexico uh, that do it open, like the New Jersey to a certain extent so far, uh, that do it open are going to have thousands of license holders. That's where you're going to get innovation. That's yeah. where you're going to get standardization for regulation. That's where you're going to get real um, ancillary and IP well, proprietary stuff that you could do stuff with. The standardization part, not so much because Oklahoma has what Washington State had, right? Like Washington State had thousand goddamn pot shops everywhere and a couple thousand grows, right? And now we're down to like a couple hundred because of recreational. And I'm not talking rec uh, hundred medical i'm talking 100 recreational period like there's no more medical stuff like it used to be uh but you do get that innovation that you're talking about where like i was getting infused toothpicks these people were all competing i thought when i got my medical card it was the coolest pass because i i travel as a technician and so i'd be all over the state anywhere in this goddamn state i could get weed right at a brick and mortar right. and it was good and cheap because all the competition right you know, so you guys have it really good, but right now they're really trying to squeeze you guys, like with the seed to sale stuff. I mean, I now I guess this is where, the, like Tommy said, the regulation comes in part because they are trying to conform you guys, the ones right. presently in business, to like this weird ass nonsensical regulation because a fair market is or open market is fair capitalism, right? Like, right? Isn't that what it's about now? Yep. Just like turn your sign now and let everybody come in the door, not just patients. Right, make it so you don't have to pay a hundred dollars for a fucking license or whatever you charge. Right, you. absolutely, absolutely. That's what we're trying to do here. They're trying to put it on a ballot this November to get a uh, 
adult use to get adult use here in Oklahoma now. And I, like I said, there's like there's a lot of politics in it, right? I mean, there's a, there's yeah. a whole org, there's an organization here called Orca, and they're 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 in the cannabis yeah. game, but they are not they're they're in it for themselves. I mean, like anybody else, it's in it for themselves. How can I how can I get this so I can make money off of this or yep. whatever the case may be? And it, and, it, and it's disgusting. But this is one of the things that we as activists as activists we have to stand up. Yeah. And allow our voices to be heard and be like, no, we can't do this. Like, this is wrong. Like, you can't do this. You're going to track how much cannabis I buy. You're going to track what I'm buying, when I'm buying it, and how much of it I'm buying. I'm like, no, that's like, not, now you're taking my medical freedom away, right? Like, that's one of the biggest Wait things. Wait a minute. I'm- is that any different than like, if you had the medical freedom to privacy to make a decision with your doctor, maybe before like 24 weeks after learning that something's going on in your body and whatever's going on in your body becomes viable outside of your body. Uh, and they say, no, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, isn't that strange? That's yeah, where's my strange. medical freedom? Where's my medical my freedom? Privacy, right? You know, yeah. that's, that's the biggest thing I, I keep advocating about and talking about is that, dude, we don't have medical freedom. Like, if I go to the doctor, he's gonna prescribe me whatever pharmaceutical I want. Like if I yeah. went to the VA, he can give me any painkiller I want, you know? Weed. Many, as many as I want and whenever I want, you know? But well, not that's, weed. that's another part of legalization, right? Like right. The, the whole map thing, you know, part of like it's recreational for a good time, but it's also a wellness issue. Right. It's a textile issue. It's a you know, multi-layered, you know, but as as an activist too, like you gotta point out the dumb shit. And 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 the thing is if Oklahoma does go recreational, and I hate to say the word recreational because, and now as I think of recreational, recreational just means limiting markets. Right. It just means limiting the the licenses. So, what? Are, how are they going to approach that in, in Oklahoma, where they should just do it like they did in Oregon and let everybody just flip their sign over, and then, you know, because Oregon already had limited licenses or whatever they were doing, but with you guys with a thousand pot shops and and grows. They should all let them just try still. Like, here you go. Everybody's now recreational. But instead, what? They'll probably limit it, like, with a couple hundred licenses for recreational. Probably. Probably. So stupid. So stupid because you're just standing in your own way. You're just – it's the prejudice. And then it's it's not just the prejudice. It's the greed. It's the greed. It's the greed. Where it's like, no, no, no. Bro, I get all the money. Fuck competition. <laughs> I'm the only one with a license. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. Come on. I thought this was America. Is this America? Hey, is this Russia? No. <laughs> Good. All right. So we're supposed to compete with one another in a free market. And then, right. but yeah. I have the license. Greed and power, though, right? So, so you want to play in this game. So you want to come, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, yeah. Then once you're into the game, it's like, wait a second. No, 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 no. I think we have enough licenses, everybody. Let's just pull up the, you know, it's called pulling up the um, uh, the ladder right. after you. So you you climb to safety and then just, okay, moving on, you know. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things. And who knows? Who knows what's going to happen if they do? Because they tried, as soon as we passed medicinal, we tried to jump into it and try to vote for adult use. And I was like, it's not going to happen because yeah, we haven't even had enough time to play in the me- medical side of the house to see how is this going to work, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, and now, right. and no, now it's giving it time. It's been years. We we, we legalized in 2018, and now it's yeah. 2022. So we've been in it for a little while now, trying yeah. to understand it. Right? Let me do juxtaposition theater, because we passed in Illinois uh, our adult use, not medical, but adult use, uh, exactly about one year to the day after you guys passed your medical. And so, like, we got three years. You got four on us, but. <laughs> You know where you're at now. Like you just said, over 10,000 licenses. Right. People can be vertical. No types of like restrictions that try to put the cost up. 
uh, no social equity really, but then isn't it equitable that everybody's can go do it? Right. Uh, and then in Illinois, they just announced another 60 craft grow licenses. And so there's a hundred grow and processing licenses. And to get that set up properly is about a $10 million lift. <laughs> so none of them are operating. And the only people no, that are operating are the ones that continued to operate in the, previously. And, and you're just like, man, why? Why are you doing it that way? Because then it's a sure thing. No, it's not. You don't have nine million dollars, you know? Right. Jesus. No, and that, that's the that's the crazy part, right? And a lot of people, a lot of people look at us like here in Oklahoma. In order to start your own commercial grow, twenty five hundred bucks, you can start your own commercial grow. What well, a residency, right? You gotta be a two year resident. It, it, it's twenty five hundred dollars to get your license. Dude, can you grow in your house though? Yeah, you can grow up to uh, twelve plants. In your six house. mature, six siblings. But like, can you sell those then after? You no, sell? you can't sell that. You can't. Sell. Oh, so, that's, that's so your you medicine. still have to. Ha it's still a commercial cannabis industry. It's yeah, like, you just can't be growing it in your basement, bro. You have to actually have a, a facility. Yeah, right? you know, you got to have a facility. You got to have the layout. You got to have the. You got to have all the layout, the security, mm. the insurance, everything that's required to it in order to get your license. But for your shops, though, um, can I do a small craft grow in my backyard and bring it to a shop and sell it, or no? No, but you no, you can't. Okay. No, no I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, no, I, no, no. You can't. You can't. But I mean, if you set it up, if you can set it up, if you can, like anything, if you set your documents up to what's required, then mm. yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could. Gotcha. But you have to make sure that the documents match what they're requesting from. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, that was the the Washington model was you either you could do both. You could do the vertical if you wanted to, but you could also just open a brick and mortar, and then other people would bring you the weed. Right, that that well, was that was thing. That's that's what he's mentioned. Remember yeah. the numbers? It was twenty five hundred dispensaries, and like four times or three times that in growers. Right, uh, and and as a result, you have to realize though, some people just really love growing weed, and they don't yeah. want to sell it. And I'm like, that's great, but uh, if you're not doing that, you see, if you're not going directly to the consumer, uh, you know, you're just going to get caught right. in a price war, and so you right. can only you can only get one bite of the apple. And then you're only making uh, one half of the equity uh, because you could have owned that piece of real estate up there that you developed for your dispensary. And, mm -hmm. and then you also could have like, and then maybe lived above it or something. <laughs> and then had like a farm that you developed and then you'd, you'd own that as well. And now you're you're just making more money and it's a, a, a more stable, sturdier ship than mm -hmm. if you're just right. caught up in the grow. And then, uh, so everybody's growing because you know it's really, really popular. Craptober, oh good. And then you own a shop as well. Mm. So you can sell your product and move it. And then if uh, somebody comes in, you don't really care about the price. You know? Right. Yeah, because when it's your own flower, then you know you, where you can set your prices at. There's a yeah. there's a dis so I got I got two dispensaries a, a mile down the road from me. And if I go two miles down the road, I got another four dispensaries two miles down the road from me. So all together within within three, four miles of me, there's six dispensaries. And so I'm like, Options, okay. And please. so one of this one of the dispensaries though, his, everybody's like, why is it so cheap? Well, they went in and asked them, why is the flour so cheap here? They said, because we own our own grow, so we can do it. I mean, Damn. we can we can we yeah. can cut we can so cut the price. October comes yeah. in, I don't care. You know, yeah. duh. Yeah. But we've already been selling at that level. We've already been we're yeah. selling it, but we don't we don't have to upcharge it for when people mm. are selling us their flour. We're selling our own flour, and so we know the price that we can sell our flour at. And and still make a profit. Oh yeah, you know, it's a great industry when it's open and then right. compete. And then eventually, what'll happen is a municipality will treat it like another bar, 
or right. another uh, liquor store. And that that last liquor store to get in sometimes doesn't get in, you know, right. And, and you have to go to the next city over. But yeah. that is the parity and the equality with the alcohol industry that the plant deserves. Right. I think Oklahomans, though, you guys are so in the Washington market when it was what it was like you guys. We had parties and events and consumption and lounges and places. And the thing was, though, no one was talking about it. No one was taking pictures and putting it on YouTube and making videos. It was very, you pull a fucking camera out. It's kind of like being on deployment, you know, like <laughs> you just pull to Thailand. Nobody pull a camera out. That's like, oh, <laughs> nobody, right? Like that's how these pot shops and lounges and parties were like, these events. Like sometimes people would have the professional photographers or whatever bullshits, but for the most part, it was everything's on DL. But you guys now are out in the open pretty much. Like, there's fucking banners and, and flyers and stuff. And I think, though, also the like the average Oklahoman is seeing that the zombie apocalypse hasn't happened when people consume, like, at an event, right? Like, Tom's been to Seattle Hempfest where 200,000 people are smoking weed. And I tell him, sometimes it's the most boring damn thing. <laughs> it's just weed it's just right. weed and then sometimes like after you smoked enough of it i mean it, they did have um dabs uh backstage which was great by the way but uh <laughs> after that dab wears off and you're you're smoking like the ninth joint of the day you're like no i'm good oh yeah. water cool yeah and then you just leave you just people packed up they had a snack and they went home Oh, absolutely. Right. And that, that, that's what's so great about it. This is what, that's one of the biggest things that I've been trying to do is break the stigma on it. Right. A lot of people, I said, it, it should be just socially acceptable as, as you saying, I need a drink as saying I need a blunt. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because the difference between me and you, when my blunt wears off, I'm going to be able to function still. You have two, you have one too many shots. So you drink a 12 pack or whatever your favorite brew is. Yeah. And you're not going, you're going to be out. You're going to be done for the rest of the day. For real, maybe tomorrow. Like you, you might right. be, and then you wake up tomorrow, up. you're hungover, yeah. right? And you're just like you feel like crap. Versus, you go and smoke nine joints and have a couple of dabs, and you're like, "All right, I'm done. I don't want to smoke anymore. I'm good." Drank like two liters of water the past yeah, right? evening, you know, and so you're also hydrated. So it, you're, you're hydrated. Like, All right, I'm good. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I'm ready to go. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm done for the day. I'm gonna go home. <laughs> That's part of that, like society ill issue, right? Like. We have bars in America since the beginning, and we all know like certain areas to avoid after two o'clock in the morning. I mean, we people just don't have common sense when they're trying to like go about their day and issue policy and talk about like drugs. It's like, okay, alcohol is a drug. That's right. just another thing that we should just learn how to work with. A cannabis, if cannabis weed was like legal, you still wouldn't know it. <laughs> No, yeah. and this is what I tell. This is what I've told my. I've I've even told my coworkers. I was like, dude, I said I got in trouble for self-identifying, saying I smoke weed. Yeah, I said, dude, I would come to work high every day, and none of you, none of you guys knew I was high. Unless I go to work high to just like before you got in. Oh, yeah. like you're sitting there. <laughs> I'd smoke it before I went into the office because I didn't. I already knew the nonsense I was going to deal with, <laughs> and I was like, I better be. I better be high so I can listen to the nonsense that they're going to try to give me. You know, and, and, and you know your body though. That's the thing, is right. Yeah. Like you smoke, you're gonna either, and you go about your day, period. Right. Like like you said, work. How did you get to work? Well, I had to drive. I mean, there's. But how did you get to the bar? You know, right? People want to talk about like it's a stigma ish type thing, right? But it's fucking how you get there. It's a, a, everything. It's not like 
can we just be honest about how we live? Right. Like what what is so bad about it? What's so bad about me smoking a joint? I said, I gotta deal with management. I gotta deal with their stupid questions, their stupid answers that they give me. And I'm like, but God forbid if I go to lunch, like half of you guys and have a couple of beers, it's okay. Yeah. God forbid I smoke a blunt during my lunch to get ready for the rest of the afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's right. You know, because that it's if you have three lunch beers or however many that right. uh, that particular group uh, at uh, BW3s was having, uh, they're going to be way more out of it and tired uh, right. afterwards. And then, like, if you have a nice uh, sativa or something like that, you know, like uh, uh, Willie Nelson over lunch, you might come back a little bit more energized. Right. Ready to go. And that's what I tell people. And that's I said that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing I'm trying to uh, that I've been doing my podcast is trying to help educate the veteran community. You know, I'm targeted towards the mm-hmm. veteran community. Is that you have to journal when you start using cannabis. I'm yeah. not telling them quit quit all your opioids and go straight to cannabis. No, incorporate cannabis into your opioid use and find out what you can actually start winging yourself off. Saying, yeah. "Hey, cannabis has been helping with this. I can actually take. I don't have to take this pill today because cannabis has been helping with what I'm dealing with." Right, and you right. journal it. Not yeah. all flowers the same, right? The biggest thing that people don't understand is that a lot of people are like, what's the THC content? To me personally, I don't care what the THC content is. Yeah. Tell me about the terpene profile that's in this plant. That's the true medicine is understanding mm-hmm. what terpenes are in the plant and how they help treat you, right? The biggest thing is that we have to, you have to journal the flower. Tell me the name of the flower. What kind of terpenes did it have? What was the THC content? And how did it make you feel? Exactly. So next time you go to a dispensary, you say, hey, I need something that's high in this. I need something that has this in it to help me with what I deal with every day. You know? Well, also that that journaling is part of that therapy, right? Right. Because I mean, you're doing the cannabis, you're you're knowing yourself better, right? You're totally getting in, into your inner spark. When I watched that Dr. Phil episode, it was so much bullshit, like... <laughs> language like it was so this guy he's all like you know i've done horrible things for weed and but then they also go through this other list of shit that he's been taking you know let's disregard all these other pills that you're taking let's just it must be the weed and then there's a cut to another commercial where actually dr phil talks about mental health i'm like okay i I think he's an asshole but at least you're making a good statement then they go back into the, the, the next thing where they're talking about uh psychosyllabin and cannabis and how they could be used for treatments but also you need to do it with a therapist and i was like no shit sherlock like <laughs> people that's but the journaling is part of that right like right people we're we're, we're in a society where like if you're smart if you were intelligent if you showed any sort of like inkling that like reading you were called names right and it's right. just like dumb shit right. <laughs> like, yeah well, you know, it's, that's how it is. Yeah. We have not yet fixed stupid. It's uh, Memorial Day 2022. Hopeful <laughs> that one day in my life we will finally win the, the fight against stupidity, especially in America. Not sure if it's going to happen, though. But I wanted to thank um, Sergeant G for coming and, and sharing some time about an hour with us. And hey, where can people find you, man? Absolutely, bro. I appreciate this wonderful opportunity. Like I tell you guys that are, that are listening on the show, it's not just the veteran community that needs to that's fighting for this fight, right? All of us need to come together and come come together and allow our voices to be heard because this is the time, right? We already know Chuck Schumer and all the Senate's trying to push the legalization bill. Now's the time to reach out to your representative in your local area to allow them to hear your voice and your concerns and why this needs to be legalized in our country, right? 
So you can check me out. I, if you go to Google, you just put hashtag the Stone Vet USMC. You can find me everywhere. I'm on YouTube, uh, the Stone Vet USMC. I'm on every audio platform, however you prefer to listen to podcasts. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever you listen to audio platforms, I'm on that audio platform. If you're not, please let me know. But I've been working hard and I'm like on over 200 different audio platforms. So if I'm not there, you're listening to something that somebody else probably ain't even listening to. Hmm. So let me know so I can make sure that the content gets out there. But yeah, I'm on I'm on YouTube. I'm on every audio platform. And if you go over to my sponsor, Rafa 180, that's Romeo Alpha Papa Hotel Alpha 180.com. In the top right hand corner, they got a little tab called the Stone Vet. Hmm. Click that tab and you can catch all my swag. I got new yes. shirts. I got new tank tops for the ladies. I got Razorbacks for the yes. ladies. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's tank top season now, right? I got cool cups. Yeah. These, cool tumbers, shit, these are the ones that keep the cups. It keeps your drink nice and cold. So when you're outside, it's 105. You can have an ice cold drink. All right. You know? Hey, hey, thank you so much for coming on the, the Stone Vet. Check it out. It Absolutely, guys. I appreciate the opportunity yeah. to be able to come on here and be able to do this. Like I said, it's, cool. a, it's, a, it's a movement, right? There's a movement yes. happening in our country, and we need to come together as a nation and allow our voices to be heard during this time. Right yeah. Uh, you know, uh, happy summer, everybody, and shout out to all of our members. See you soon. Later. Dudes, I've been holding a pee for 20 minutes. I'll catch you. Hilarious. All right. Have a good one.